From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Except that on Friday, I kind of set something up that I need to make sure that you understand so that the rest of this Bible study in Genesis uh, makes sense to you. And what, uh, what I laid out on Friday is that what I would like to do is to look at the faith of Abraham. Um, what does Abraham do? Uh, in, uh, in Scripture, Paul says that uh, Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Uh, Abraham is considered to have a strong faith. Everybody goes back to look at Abraham and say he has a strong faith. He wasn't necessarily a great guy. But he did have strong faith, and that's, that's what uh, Scripture shows, is that he's kind of the model for faith. And if that's the case, then the question we have to ask ourselves is, how did his faith grow? And what kinds of things did Abraham do to strengthen his faith? And when his faith was strong, what did it look like? When his faith was weak, what did it look like? Um, did God ever give up on Abram? Did Abram ever give up on God? The, uh, so as we go through Genesis, uh, from now until the till we get to the story of Joseph, uh, I, I'm I would like to uh, for you to consider, or for like for us to consider at least for that part of Abram, uh, what did his faith look like? Did he have a strong faith? Did he have a weak faith? What did God do? What did Abram do? Um, those types of questions. So I kind of laid that out on Friday, and like I said, if you if you have a chance, you want to go back and look at it. It was a fun uh, Bible study on Friday, so I hope you get a chance to look at it. If not, um, that that's too also. I'm going to kind of just give a brief synopsis. But the, the main thing coming out of Friday was basically uh, I would like to like, look at Abraham and his faith and what made his faith strong. So that being said, uh, let's just uh, simply go then to uh, our our uh, where we were on Friday, which was basically we were in Genesis uh, 12, and um, just really quickly, uh, Abram had a beautiful wife named Sarai. He goes into Egypt because there's a famine in the land. God had promised to Abram that he will make him a great nation. God will bless Abram so that he can bless other people. And so uh, then, if, and, and Abram's happy about this. Life is going well. He's living in the desert. He's got a beautiful wife. Uh, he's got uh, properties, possessions, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, but then a famine happens in the land. And when a famine happened, Abram uh, worries about food, and he decides to go to Egypt because there's plenty of food in Egypt. It's in the Nile Delta. There's you know plenty of food over in that area. And so he goes there. But as he goes, he realizes or knows that the Egyptian pharaoh just absolutely loves beautiful women. Well, Sarai, his wife, is a beautiful woman. And um, so, so uh, Abram says, when we go into Egypt, uh, I would like for you to tell everybody that you're my sister, and that way they won't kill me. So we're just going to go in there, we're going to get food, and we're going to get out of there. And um, Sarah, for whatever reason, went along with it. Now, it is pointed out later on in Genesis 20 that uh, that Abram and Sarah actually were half-brother, half-sister, same father, different mother. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a lie, 
but it wasn't the whole truth. I mean, they were married. <laughs> um, and so uh, they go into Egypt, and, and as sure enough, uh, Pharaoh sees Sarah and says, oh my goodness, what a beautiful woman. I want her in my court. So he takes her, brings him to the court, and then just lavishes Abram with all of these goodies, right? Um, uh, money, people, cattle, possessions, all that sort of thing. And, and Abram and Sarah are living the good life. There's no question about it. They're under the protection of Pharaoh. She's in his court. Abram's got all this wealth and, and, uh, and possessions. The problem is that it's not where God had promised Abram. Ab- God had promised Abram that he was going to give him a land. He was going to make him a great nation. He was going to give him progeny. All of these things is what God promised to Abram. And if he's stuck in, in Egypt with Pharaoh, he's not pursuing the plan that God had for him. Because God had a plan for Abram. God has things that he wants all of us to do. And um, sometimes we get stuck in a rut. Sometimes we get stuck in Egypt uh, where we're not following God's land, or God's plan, but things are going really, really well. And, and that, can be, that can be so attractive to be in a comfort zone, to say, hey, I've got life really well right now. I'm just going to stay what I'm doing. But God sometimes doesn't let us stay in the comfort zone. Sometimes God brings about events so that he forces us out of our comfort zone to get us off our duff to do the things that he wants us to do. And that's exactly what he does to Abram. Um, we, and I'll just really quickly pick up the story here uh, back in Genesis 12, verse 17. This is the affliction that God uh, puts into the situation. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did she say, she's my sister, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything that he had. You know, <laughs> Abram's pretty lucky that Pharaoh was so nice in this situation because Pharaoh could have uh, destroyed Abram. He could have caused Abram great harm. Um, Instead, Pharaoh allows Abram to leave with his wife and move out. Uh, And so in the midst of all this, God is protecting Abram. God is pre- preparing a plath- path for Abram so that he can actually fulfill the promise that God had with Abram. And what we're going to see time and time and time again with Abram is that God is kind of watching over him and protecting him and making sure he's on the path. You know, putting situations and events in the way, in the path, so that he causes Abraham to go down the path that God wants him to go down. And... uh I'm sure you've, you've seen this before in your own life. I know I've seen it in my, in my life where I, I contemplate what God wants me to do and I go in that direction. But there are times when God puts up a barrier to prevent me from going in the direction that I think I want to go. And he forces me to go in the direction that he wants to go, that he wants me to go. 
And uh, God seems to do this all the time. Uh, sometimes I will even pray to God, uh, God, I don't know which way to go. I can go on the left path. I can go on the right path. Um, Lord, if if either of these paths are not one that you want me to go on, then put up a barrier. And um, I, I think there's, uh, I don't know if, if he's doing that because I prayed, but there have been definitely times in my life where God says, uh, David, I don't want you to go on that path, so I'm putting up this barrier. I know that you don't like this barrier, and you're going to be very angry about this barrier with me, and uh, you're going to curse me, and you're going to be upset, and you're going to be angry, but trust me, this is the path I want you to go, so I'm putting up a barrier. And I'm putting, I'm making a path for you over here. It's not a pleasant path. It's not one that maybe you would choose, but it's the one I'm choosing for you. And uh, you are here on this earth to be a follower of me, and uh, I've got your back. I've got your front. I've got your side. I'm, I'm directing you. Um, yes, you've got free will. You can do whatever you want, but I'm sure making it uh, attractive in some areas in your life because uh, there are things that I need you to do. I'm sure you've experienced this also in your life. Um, that's just how God operates. And sometimes the barriers are pretty significant. Sometimes the barriers are very painful. Um, but that's just the way God uses uh, in this world to, to kind of get us in the direction that he wants us to go. In some er- and you could call that pruning. Uh, sometimes you could just call that putting up a big old barrier. Um, God seems to do whatever God wants to do to get us in the path that he wants us to go. And um, he certainly did that with Abram. Abram was in Egypt with Sarai. Things are comfortable, but God didn't want him there. God wanted to get him back to the promised land. And so God inflicts a pretty severe, uh, serious disease. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram and Sarai. So God does that. Sometimes God does that. I know, uh, um, I thought when I was in college, I thought God wanted me to be a pastor. Uh, I started out at Arizona State University and um, studied there for a year. And then I felt this really strong calling that God wanted me to be a pastor. So um, I had money in my bank account from a paper route. I had a paper route from second grade on. Uh, so I spent all of that on a year's tuition at Concordia Seward and because um, I thought God wanted me to be a pastor. And it was a great year at Seward, but I ran out of money, and I didn't have any other sources of money. It's not like you can get a job in Seward. Um, and um, it just didn't work out. Uh, so I ended up going back to Arizona State and getting a degree in engineering. And... Um, but it was always in my back of my head that at some point God might be, you know, make it financially feasible for me to go to the seminary. And he was able to do that later on in life. Um, I've often wondered, uh, was I just not persistent enough? Should I have uh, been more persistent when I was at Seward um, to to become a pre-seminary person or... Is this the path that God wanted me? And I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that, but it's the path that was laid for me. It's the path that he put me on. Uh, I can certainly say that the experience of getting an engineering degree has been both beneficial and unbeneficial <laughs> to being a pastor. Um, uh, because 
Believe it or not, being a pastor is not something you learn in about 30 minutes. It takes a number of years to really understand what it means to be a pastor. And I think about the time that I spent in engineering, 20 years practicing engineering. If I'd have practiced that as a pastor, uh, how much better would I be a more effective? But maybe not. I think that that God was able to use that experience. Uh, I mean, you have to grow up, first of all, right? Nobody just... Um, you know, in their 20s is, is mature, that's for sure. Uh, and I've said several times that if I'd have been a pastor of a church in my late 20s and early 30s, I was so egotistical. I, I was not humble at all. I thought I was God's gift to mankind. <laughs> and so uh, if, I'd have, if I'd have been a pastor of a church back then, I just don't know. It may, it may have been a it w- it may have been a train wreck. So maybe God protected me from that. I don't know. I I ate a lot of humble pie in my twenties and thirties to for, for God to get me. I think to the point where I was uh, uh, maybe at a point where God could actually mold and shape me and use me as a pastor. Um, and and maybe a lot of the difficulties that I experienced uh, in my engineering career. Uh, you know, some of the crushing defeats <laughs> that I had. Um, maybe they were better getting those crushing defeats in my engineering career uh, as opposed to my pastoral career. A crushing defeat in engineering doesn't kill anybody. A crushing defeat as a pastor could have long-lasting impact. So I don't know. Maybe that's that's the path. I'm just, I'm just uh, I know I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry about that. But it's something you think about, right? So, um So that's where we are now. Now we're going to go into Genesis 13, and it's the story of Abraham and Lot. Now, if you'll remember, Abraham had a nephew named Lot, and they seem to be traveling together. Uh, they're, They're companion buddies, and they're both kind of part of the same tribe, the same clan. Uh, it's Abraham's, it's Abram's clan, and Lot is the nephew, so he's kind of subservient to Abraham. And um, they're traveling to Egypt. They come out of Egypt. Uh, but now we have uh, our first Middle East conflict. So uh, if you look at Palestine and Israel today and look at that conflict and say, man, why can't they just live in peace? Um, well, I just want you to know that the conflict uh, did not start with the Palestinian-Israeli uh, you know, war the Six-Day War or whatever. I mean, it, it's been going on a long time. As a matter of fact, conflict in the Middle East has been going on since Genesis uh, chapter 13. So that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning. And uh, so let's just go into um, Genesis chapter 13, beginning of verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt. Remember, he's in Egypt, but now he's going to go to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot, this is his nephew, went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So, Uh, If you'll remember when we started out on this journey, he left the land of Ur uh, between the Tigris and the Euphrates, and he went to this place called Bethel, and he he built an altar to God. 
uh, and then he kind of traveled around. He went to Egypt. Now he's coming back to the place called Bethel, uh, to a place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier uh, and where he had built a first altar. And so I think sometimes when you are in your life and you uh, are and, and things around you are kind of in turmoil, right? He was in Egypt. Now he's leaving Egypt. I think it's helpful for us that we as humans will go back to the places where we had comfort. We want to have stability and comfort in our life. Uh, we want to go back to places that were uh, where we had happiness. I mean, this is obviously when he built the altar, he'd come out of Ur, and uh, he was so grateful that, that you know he was following God and— um, He's in a happy place, you could say, and so he builds an altar to thank God and to be in the presence of God, and he has all this conflict in Egypt and all that, but now he's going back because he's going back to that comfort zone. He's going back to where life was comfortable, so he goes back to this place where he built this first altar, which is, you know, it's what we all do, right? We always go back to the comfort places. Of course, one of the things that's very interesting is it's hard to go back, right? If you've ever left someplace um, and then gone back, it's never the same as when you were there the first time. There's always changes. The people change, the town changes, the community changes, life changes, and maybe you've had a good experience with this. If you have, put it in the notes, um, but most of the time, uh, if you leave a comfortable situation and go into an uncomfortable situation. So, man, I really had, I liked that comfortable situation. I want to go back to there. And you pick up and you leave and you go back to where that comfortable situation is. It's not the same. Uh, Things change. Things move on while you're gone, and it's never the same. Uh, So the lesson there is if you are in a location or a comfort zone or you're in a place of happiness, like, uh, like Abram was the first time he built the altar, just enjoy every day of your life that God gives you, right? Uh, if, you have, if you're surrounded by friends or family or a good situation, just enjoy it uh, because it never stays the same. And uh, you might leave and you might come back, but it'll always be different. Um, so uh, Abram goes back to this first place where he built an altar, um, and there he called on the name of the Lord. And so we're going to pick up the story again in verse 5. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land in their time. So this I find, I I just, I find this fascinating, right? Uh, if you've ever... Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I had. I went, uh, one of the greatest places to go horseback riding is in Colossal Cave Mountain Park. Uh, they've got stables there, and they'll have um, typically a, a people who will lead horseback rides, and it's just one of the most beautiful uh, places to go. And one of the guys that was leading uh, the horseback ride said, uh, as he looked around, he goes, yeah, he says, this is... Uh, you look at how much vegetation there is in this area, uh, which is it's fairly green in that area. He goes, yeah, it, it can support. I think what he said was like maybe uh, 50 cows per section of land or something like that. I mean, but 
a good a good rancher can look and see all around how much vegetation there is, and he'll say, "Yeah, we can support, you know, five cows per acre, or one cow per acre, or one cow for forty acres, or something like that." And they just know this stuff. They can look at the vegetation around them, and they can see how much uh, you know how much cows that these this land can support. So Abram gets to this place where he first built the altar, and they're looking around, and it's like, well, we've got all Abraham's cattle, and now we have Lot's cattle, and there's not enough land to support, which I find fascinating because um, you six hundred—I mean, a square mile of land can support a lot of cows. Uh, how big was Abraham's and Lot's tribe at this point? I mean. We're talking about the whole Sinai Peninsula. I mean, there's probably 10 million people living in this area now, and they couldn't figure out a way to divide. I mean, to to find more land, but apparently they weren't able to do that. Um, the shepherds, uh, there were lots shepherds, and the shepherds were Abrams shepherds. Like we both can't exist in the same. We need to divide and give each of us our own land. Um, probably, as I think about it, there was probably plenty of land to go around. It's probably just some choice land and some non-choice land, uh, and the you know everybody fights over everything. I mean, we we fight over scarcity. That's who we are as humans. Um, and so when scarcity occurs, uh, we we divide and conquer, and that's exactly what happens. Um, we so Abraham said to Lot. This is verse eight. So let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It's not, is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So because they couldn't work it out and Abram, um, you know, wanted to keep peace, uh, they decide to part ways. And, uh, and so they do. And, it's unfortunate in one aspect, and that is that the larger the clan of the tribe, the, the more able they are to defend themselves against invading marauders, the more power they have, the more influence they have. There's always that. The, the more people you have in a tribe or an organization, the more, the more power that organization has. So that's you know one reason to stay together. The flip side is, and this is probably the root of it, is that maybe Lot was just he just was ready to kind of have his own tribe, right? He didn't he was he was sick and tired of being in the coattails of Abraham. Um and so, you know, uh, he could have probably stayed and make it work out and then he'd be subservient to Abraham, but you know, at some point uh Lot it was probably Lot's decision that's like, I think I'm going to go out on my own, you know, and this is a perfect opportunity for me to go out on my own and create a name for myself and do my own thing. And uh, there are times when uh, God calls you to do that. I know in my life, um, there have been a few times where I felt uh, if I'm going to continue forward, I kind of need to go on my, I need to journey on my own path. I need to leave my existing comfortable situation and go and forge my own path. And that actually, for me, has happened actually several times. And so I know that feeling because uh, it is it is really tough sometimes if God, if you feel like God's calling you to do something and if you're under someone else's influence. Um, I remember when I was in Phoenix, uh, 
I'd kind of gotten in, in the engineering firm I was working at, I was um, kind of gotten as far as I could. And if I wanted to kind of go to the next level up, I really needed to, to go and uh, move to Denver and start uh, a branch of that engineering firm in Denver. And then I would have control over the whole thing as opposed to being, you know, in the firm that I was in Phoenix um, under the leadership of that guy there. And, uh, and so that's part of the reason why I moved to Denver is because I felt like God was calling me to something else. And God does that to you sometimes. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily about the conflict between these two guys as it was that maybe Lot was just ready to move on. Um, and so he does. Uh, Lot and uh, Abram part ways. Um, sets up a backstory to an interesting thing because Lot ends up going to the land of Sodom, uh, which was pro- which we'll find out in the future did, did, caused its own set of problems. Um, and Abram and Lot split ways. That happens sometimes. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it it solves the conflict, and that's the way life goes sometimes. And it just goes to point out life never stays the same. Um, Lot and Abram won't be in the same tribe. They won't see each other every day. You know, life moves on. So uh, every day that you have with your family or your friends or that's comfortable where God gives you the blessings of life, enjoy it because nothing ever stays the same. Life always moves on, and that's just the part of life that is true. Uh, God is constant. His love is constant, but us in this world is constantly changing, as we see all the time. So um, I think uh, we will leave it there. Um, Thanks for joining me this morning. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, Why don't we just really quickly close in prayer? Gracious God, uh, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the blessing of this day. Watch over all of us and ever keep us in your grace. In the world that's constantly changing, we know that you don't change, Lord, that you constantly love us. You constantly guide us. We pray this in Jesus' name.